things and you sort of become the movie reviewer of sorts and do you want to tell people a little bit about how you cover movies or how you choose to cover them for the blog well i commit myself to movies for the year in advance uh that's pretty much the only way i can make sure i make myself go see everything i want to see usually in late december i start looking at the movies that are coming out for the next year and then i pick my top 10 based on what I know then, uh, to see for the next year. And then I watch them when they come out, and then I write things about them. I used to write movie reviews, like, back in college and stuff. I was, I think I was hoping that someone would stumble upon me and my, like, 200 movie reviews that I had and be like, let's hire her, but that never happened. So I had some good practice at that. So what's the name of this year's movie uh, segment that you'll be doing? This year I'm calling it Strange Age of Tomorrowland World Awakens. And the strange comes from... Strange Magic. First movie on the list. Which is the movie we're going to be talking about today on this fangirl chat. And Teresa's not here this today. She's working diligently, so that's why Kay came in. And since this was part of the, the blog, we thought it would be a perfect movie to cover. And I have just seen it and Kay saw it the day it opened and reviewed it. It was the first time she got a movie review up in the same day the movie opened. I'm very excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> like almost like a real movie reviewer. <laughs> well, if you're real you could have gone yeah, to the I would have gotten invited gotten... to see it early probably. It would have been a screener. That's okay. It was pretty good for a uh, amateur. So let's talk about what did you think the movie was before based on advertising marketing and just pre-discussions because we had a lot of George Lucas out there talking about it. what did you think it was before you went to see it you know honestly when I first I remember when I first saw the poster and I didn't realize its connection to Lucasfilm I was like oh another kid's animated movie and like just kind of brushed it off and then started hearing that it was from a story by George Lucas and that it um, had some inspiration from A Midsummer Night's Dream, which I don't believe actually made it into the actual marketing. But uh, yeah, I think that came out of an interview and that there was going to be lots of different music in it. It was, it just seemed like there were a lot of different commercials and, and clips and stuff going out there and like each one was selling it a little bit differently so I feel like if you missed one of them like I heard someone went to it and didn't know it was a musical 
And well, no, even George Lucas commented on the fact that they didn't really play up. There was music yeah. in it. So and like knows. the first five minutes of the movie, he's like pretty much singing. So <laughs> you would figure that out pretty quickly if you went to it. Yeah, I don't think it was very consistently. I don't think marketed. they even showed. I I don't think I saw a commercial where there was actually singing in it, and there is a lot of singing in it. It might have been so. something I saw online, like some clip or something. But like the even the poster we have on Fangirl Blog, that you know it says everyone deserves to be loved on it, and then none of the main characters are on that poster. It's all the trolls, right? Well, or it's the, not. It's the, um. There's like the Bog King's mom, and yeah, there's some of the goblin characters but yeah and so there's no there's no i don't think there's a, there's like one oh there's no fairies on it the imp has the um has the love potion on it that's what's sparkling yes um, the imp has the love potion but yeah so so i think i think i think there were some issues with the whole idea of like it, don't even even having to think like is this movie for girls or is this movie for boys that was kind of problematic well this was my thing i know that you know george lucas went out there and talked about you know this project that had been sitting there that he had been doodling on to get the right music to have the right lyrics for it to fit together and we know these sort of uh musicals that take songs and create a narrative are becoming more popular jukebox musical they've been around a long time though yeah but they're they're gaining a little more steam now they're more recognizable if you're in the theater world they're yeah um, i mean they got made into movies and now more people know about but like technically singing in the rain was a jukebox musical true true you would have to know songs from the 20s and 30s to recognize that, though. <laughs> yes. And so that's why maybe people aren't as familiar with it. And, you know, he's always uh, inspired by classic movies mm-hmm. in that way. Well, I expected there to be it to be like only classic rock because of him and, you know, his musical taste that we know of. Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, but there was a lot of modern stuff in it, so that surprised mm-hmm. me. I didn't, I didn't know that was coming. Yeah, I I thought they missed opportunity. I, I wanted to hear Bad Romance in there. But well, it was. It just wasn't. It sung. was. Oh, that's uh, yeah. That's right. You mentioned that interview. Yeah, it needed to be. You know, I would have yeah. liked to have heard that one. It was kind of. It was like at at one point I felt like I was playing a game where because I would say they're probably they're not on. There's one of them on the soundtrack. There's probably like five songs that aren't sung, but the mu- the music of it is played at some point. So you have to be quick and pick yeah, up on so it. Was like, so or, name that tune. Yeah. <laughs> From the opening notes, what is the song? Where are they going next? <laughs> Where are they going next? Well, and so I saw a couple people tweet. There were mothers who tweeted that their their sons were into seeing it because it was George Lucas and then he said it's this movie I've been working on for girls. Yeah. Is, uh, and I wish and then, I wish he could have phrased that slightly differently. Well, and I think his intention was in the yeah. right place. Yeah, that's why yeah. I wouldn't want him not to say that he made this movie with girls in mind because I think that's good. I think that's a, a great thing that he did that but the 
I made this movie for girls when there's this whole divide of what's for girls, what's for boys. That was unfortunate. Because... Yes. And he, he even talked about in the one CBS morning interview that, you know, marketing has sort of taken over the entertainment business and that... And I actually, and I understand that when you can put things into boxes and demographics and mm-hmm. it's easy to track. Oh, then it's easier mm-hmm. to make the decisions. It's easier to make, it does help uh, reduce. Uh, Kay and I both worked in the large corporate world and corporations are risk adverse. Yes. So that's why they like to have numbers and they can minimize risk. But sometimes that takes out the, sometimes you have to take risks to make uh good stories and to make good business decisions. So, you know, that those boxes sometimes are limiting the stories. And I thought this movie had a lot of things that anybody could enjoy. I really thought it was for everybody. Yes. There's the little elf character who has his own little journey and quest. And then there's a story of siblings. There's a story of parental relationships, which I don't think necessarily, I know that the, the uh, fairy king makes comment, oh, I wish I had boys instead of girls. But I I think that does The fairy underplay- king says lots of not so good things. <laughs> and the, and the, the freaky thing is he looks yes, like George that's, Lucas. That's why I was like, oh, this is, this is, why did they do that? Like, I understand, like, why well, I have a character that looks like him and that sounds like, you know, or that would be a natural fit but the things he kept saying I'm like I don't think that's what George Lucas wants to say with this movie <laughs> well you know he ta- he he talks about that he he of of all creators he is the most um self-aware that he takes characters from himself and creates mm-hmm. them he says that about Luke and he said that about Darth Vader and those characters worked out really well but I almost think that it was a little too real in that he looked that he looked like George Lucas yeah. <laughs> and he was saying the things because I was like okay this is interesting and in an awkward sort of well, yeah, and the fact that the fairy king was the whole one being like yeah I know he cheated on you that's but he's 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 okay you should he's totally okay. marry him anyway <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> most a majority of fathers would not say that Oh, yeah. And probably the the message I think that was trying to come across was that we we have a lot of pressures. Oh, yeah. From and it served as a conflict point. So as a conflict point. Yes. So there were a lot of good things in this is a story that I would, you know, my sister sent me a text and I said, well, I'm going to, you know, what do you think of Strange strange Magic? And I said, well, I'm going to see it. Um, you know, I, these are the, I think it could be for everybody. And I would tell her I would, I would, they, it, it's a good movie. I think they would enjoy it. They like songs. They like musicals. And so I think there's a story there for everybody. So, mm-hmm. One of the things I noticed in the credits was Kiri Hart from the story group is one of the executive producers. George Lucas is listed as the executive producer. It's been sitting on his, you know, he talked about it in interviews sitting on his little desk that he would work on this project off and on over the years. Uh, Rebel Force Radio talked about it on a recent episode, let's see, last week. 
And they talked about this primrose, which is a little bit of a story point in it, that the primrose story and it, this, they've been talking about the fairy movie in Lucasfilm for a long time. Mm-hmm. So the primrose, years. 15 years. So this has been, been around and germinating um, there for a while. Do you think that they, it might've served them well to, play up the Shakespeare angle? Well, that was the the play Midsummer Night's Dream is kind of complicated. And I think that they 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 took like one story element from it. Mm-hmm. They didn't really because in in that play there's like you know, one person's in love with another there's one like mutual love relationship and then there's another one that's interested in marrying the girl and there's another girl who's interested in, in that guy but he's not interested in back it's like it's very complex and they didn't really they just had like one person that actually in in the play too none of the people who are involved in this weird not quite love square thing um are the ones that get the potion or anything it's actually a fairy who comes in and <laughs> with the intention to set things right but there's um, some misunderstandings and he gives it to the wrong people. <laughs> um, so that was, I don't, I don't think it w- would have served them to really play that up in the advertising because I think people would have been disappointed that there wasn't more was of that enough. story. Yeah. I thought, I, I mean, it was definitely just a, it was like a piece of, but this is something that, we see a lot of in the Clone Wars, we would see these sort of Wizard of Ozzy type episodes that would pop up that weren't really Wizard of Oz, but they would have elements. So you mm-hmm. could tell that, but his movies are all like that. There, there's, he's taking kind of a potpourri of the things he likes and you, yeah. you'll see a, a shot from, uh, there's a shot from, I think, Revenge of the Sith. And when you look at that shot, it's exactly like one of his old favorite movie westerns where he literally like reproduced it, but mm-hmm. he did, you know, so he likes to take those ideas and, and weave them into it. So we got, you know, character names and whatnot that ended up coming in there. But the, the message was a good message, which is, you know, there isn't really a shortcut to finding <laughs> love, <laughs> which fairy, which fairy tales sometimes tr- try to say. And sometimes, you know, he, he talked about, you know, his path to his, the love of his life mm-hmm. took a lot, lot longer. Um, and then you would have thought, but there was an interesting nod to star Wars in Strange magic, mm-hmm. and I wanted to see if you noticed it. Uh, it would be when she's blindfolded with the sword. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't. I was sort of like, oh, okay, that's going to go out <laughs> yeah. there and <in> hope <laughs> um, with the sword. So yeah, that was like, yeah, that was straight out of it. And there were some really, really beautiful, clever animated moments. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a couple shots. Like with the lizard, there were some shots going through the dark forest um, with the fairy where you could really use the her color against the, you know, the darkness. Yeah. 
love that. Even the first time we see the Bog King, the lighting is amazing. It's fantastic for an animated movie. Like, you would think that 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 was, like, a puppet there and that they had set up lights all around him. Yeah. And then there were parts that didn't quite live up to that beauty. It was like... There were th- there were things they had worked really hard on, and then there was other stuff that they just did it to get it done. Mm-hmm. I almost felt that way with the kaleidoscope. Part. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and we need something here. <laughs> exactly. I, was- I felt that went on for a long time. When it first happened, I was like, oh, this is like the the rebels trippy rainbow hyperspace thing <laughs> but then and then it just kept going and i was like oh wow this is what, still happening what i what what it went through my mind was the when you i think it's in the philhar magic at magic kingdom when they do the lion king part and they they do the the kaleidoscope and that's what popped into my mm-hmm. head was okay and i was like this is really kind of bizarre with every it just didn't that did not fit the rest of the movie is not that trippy yeah it's not that trippy, <laughs> it's not that trippy. and so it was but it was at the end so I didn't know if they just like well we're just gonna slap this on and finish it mm-hmm. or if not but for me tonally that just really well, went I was way out being a kaleidoscope it was really flat you know yes. compared to everything especially um you know, I mentioned in my review on Fangirl that the animation of the faces is so good that it gets into the whole Uncanny Valley thing. There was like, and th- so that everything is so three dimensional, and then that thing is so flat compared to it. Just well, there was there was one time when she made Marianne, Marianne, right? That's her name. Yeah, made a face. At near the end where it was so true to how an actress could do mm-hmm. the facial expressions that it kind of freaked me out because it was like, it was almost like they, I was like, did they like take an actress and put the little <laughs> yeah. dots on her face? <laughs> well, that, because it yeah, the cheeks and the way the lips and the corner of the mouth and the eyes and everything was so girl with a tude kind of face. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's really, really, really good for animation. And I had, I had a similar moment with Sunny and I think... That worked even more so because, well, the, like, the fairies' faces are stretched a little bit horizontally, but the elf faces are, like, human heads on tiny bodies. <laughs> and, yeah. and so there was this moment where he turned his head to the side, and I was like, that is not a real person. That's not a real person. <laughs> that looks so real. Yes. he That animation, he definitely was um standout. So... Um, the, <laughs> my favorite character in the movie, and I wish there was more of him, was the imp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know he's a little plot device, yeah. and he was just a cutie thing, but I liked him. So, and then I was like, well, where did the imp go? Because he was there, and then he wasn't there, so he just kind of kept moving in and out of it. Thing, and then <laughs> they showed that he didn't die. And that was pretty much it. That was it. But he was cute, and I liked him. And I, I don't know. I was like, I want more imp. So his, his character's design looked kind of like um, Bartok in the anime Anastasia, and mm-hmm. also like um, Batty in Fern Gully. 
It was like kind of that. I kept expecting him to be a bat and like go fly because of that, but he he's not. He's, he's, I don't know what he is. It's a, a rabbit, a possum thing. <laughs> and and one of the other things because we know that George Lucas likes to use a lot of visuals that he saves up and maybe they didn't work in one thing, but he re- repurposes them in another. And they, I, I thought when, when Marianne put on her, went from her pre-wedding mm-hmm. uh, garb to her, um, now I'm going to be this person mm-hmm. with um, a little bit of an attitude. Uh, she looked very Asajj Ventress. In the <laughs> I don't know if you got that sort of same, the purple and the wraps. I, and I the, can see that now. Yeah, I didn't see that when you originally saw it. I was. I in the moment I was like, oh yes, they're even putting on like dark makeup. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. She put the goth on and everything. This is so a real I moment. Was... <laughs> yeah, the the I'm yeah I'm wondering like what did one of his daughters go through the yeah. the the goth moment and he and he had to put it in there because I mean she literally slapped on the you know the dark eye makeup because that instantly makes you angry girl I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th- I think I think a lot of us have probably had a time where you get burned and you're like, not anymore. Now you're gonna have to deal with this person. Yeah, this person. That's my face. But yeah, no. They they um, when when the uh, when as the tire went on, and we know he was working on this for some at the same time as the Clone Wars stuff was going on. I it very much reminded me of the purple era. Massage uh, Ventress mm-hmm. outfit. Um, that's what popped in my mind. So I, if you, people see it and you notice that, so that was another kind of Star Warsy thing that I took out of there. But um, so, would you tell people see this movie? Would you say see it depending on who the person was? How would you recommend it? I think it's interesting because it's a technical achievement. It's got a good message there's some good storytelling aspects and there are some not so good it's not it's not a fantastic movie and everybody and their brother has to see it i don't feel that way about it but i think it's still a good movie and so if you have a chance go ahead and watch it that kind of yeah uh, technically uh, you know technically very um beautiful again sometimes i felt like they didn't finish some of the parts off. Um, it was, like it was it very complicated. I was thinking about it in contrast to like Frozen because the, you know, the whole, this happens now. I see a sister relationship in a movie and I'm like, oh, that's like Frozen. Um, yes. Because they were never sisters in movies before that, apparently. Um, so, I, you know, you look at the, the journey of Frozen, it's really easy for anyone to follow that. Basically, every you know you have the background information, but then when the story really gets going, everyone is in the same place. Then one character goes up a mountain, then some other characters go up the mountain after them, and then one group comes down, and the other group we don't even see come down, but we find they're down. Then the first group that went up is there, and then the whole rest of the story takes place in that one, you know, in the same place. Here, with the dark side and the light side, it was like, you know, first we're on this side now we're on this side and now we're back over here and then this person is going on their own journey back over to the dark side and there's another moment going on on the dark side and then 
that person comes back and then there's things on the light side and then some of the people from the dark side come to the light side and then three different <laughs> groups well and then the dark side people take someone from the light side back to the dark side and then three different groups go out separately from the light side to the dark side and then two of the three join up and then one doesn't and then they have a whole light and dark thing before the other light side group gets there and it was like that's, that's a lot more complicated yeah, it was, it was- Yes, it was narratively complicated for a kid's movie. Uh, yes, it, it was a little bit too much. Too much. <laughs> and I thought you you made a good point when you talked about it, that he had been working on this for a long time. And if this movie had come out before Frozen and before Brave, it might have been a more of a leader yeah. than now it's time he makes it a follower. Yeah. We know he had these ideas possibly. Well, you know, a lot of those uh, Disney movies in Pixar get developed for a long time too. But so yeah. we don't know which one actually came first, but yeah, now, even though he was thinking about those things before those movies come out, it looks like those things that are also in this movie Yes, exactly. So that's the, that was one of the things. And I also thought if you comparatively, if you were to talk about, as you talk about how tight the story is in Frozen, and I also think in the way he, he was trying to tell a story that did have a message for young girls that was more positive than just, well, you're going to have to hope for a, you know, happy ending, but you know, and also at the same time, don't be jaded and cynical to the point where you don't you, you don't get to make your, Yeah, you close yourself off. Yes, yourself off. And so there's good messages in there, but at the same time, it's not as there. You know, when we talk about when he when he makes a statement about the you know making a movie for girls, there's still a little bit of it's almost like he's he's trying to make a progressive movie, but his brain's still stuck a little bit in his own past where there's still boy, you know, boys and girls have different things. Mm-hmm. So, well, I, and, and, you know, his, his actual full statement on that was that he made Star Wars for boys and then everyone liked it. <laughs> so he's thinking if he made this for girls then maybe everyone liked it, but everybody just hooked onto and all the media outlets ran with this he made this movie for girls he made star wars for boys yes so and and that's that's the point right really those that it's for you you think that the he saw star wars as a father-son story mm-hmm. right and then he saw this one as a father-daughter story but really we at, we deal with our parents whether it's a mother daughter or mother father or you know all all those familiar relationships they all are the same for everybody you still deal with your parents your relationship to your parents no matter if you're a, a girl or a boy and if you're a mother or father so they're um the dynamic is universal and that's why luke works because it doesn't matter who you are you still understand the essential problem with Luke is trying to figure out who he is and who he is in relationship to his parents and whether to him it matters and it always matters to people 
um, whether you, you know, you have a good or a bad relationship with your parents. So it's a universal story, no matter who's watching mm-hmm. it. And that's why, that's why it worked. He, he was sitting there making, I'm making a movie I would like to see. So he thinks I'm making a movie for boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so, you know, it, looking at it, um, going, I just thought it was, it's, I, I loved a lot of it, but it's, you know, it's, it definitely ended up, would it have been made, would it have been put out if Frozen and Brave and that what hadn't gone before it and made enough of a financial impact? They said, okay, this is w- worth the risk. Was it, you know, sitting there because people were like, oh, I don't know if this is going to make any money um, type yeah. thing. They, well, apparently they were making it for a long time too. I saw a an interview with um, uh, Evan Rachel Wood and uh, Alan Cumming and they asked them if they recorded together and they never did. They they had met each other before, but the first time they saw each other in relation to this movie was at the premiere. <laughs> and, which is kind of some amazing directing. Any Anytime they do that, because the two of them have moments together that, I, well, I mentioned in my review, I think they both give like really nuanced performances that really help sell their character arcs. And because um, otherwise... If they didn't do that, it might some of it might have been slightly less believable. But um, Alan Cumming said he was recording his part on and off for like four years. Wow. And she recorded her part on and off for like a year and a half, she said. And mm-hmm. with the last time she recorded being like back in this past November. And Evan Rachel Wood was one of the names that had come out, remember, when it was rumored she was working on a Star Wars movie. So someone must have heard she was working on a mm. Lucasfilm project and and made the leap to that. So she was one of the original names that was out there in the rumor mill a long time ago when we first learned about the movie. So I thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> it popped up that she was the lead in this. Um, and I thought she's she has a nice voice yeah i really like her singing and i i like alan cummings he's one of my favorite actors so um he, he was he was good for this role <laughs> knowing what he's played previously yeah so. yeah well i wanted to ask you what you thought about some of the other female characters beyond marianne um like dawn yes. Well, she was definitely, I think, um, uh, she's a little bit, I don't know, it just she didn't do it. <laughs> Flighty, you know, I don't think she did anything for, you know, when people say blondes are a little ditzy mm-hmm. and not a lot there. That's, you know, she sort of was, to me, a character, caricature. Mm-hmm. Um, she was there to serve Marianne's story and to serve the story, but I don't think she was as deep as I, as I think she could have been. I think part of the challenge with her, though, was she was under a spell for a good chunk of the movie, so she couldn't have any character growth because yeah, she had no think, control over what she was doing. But maybe they could have done a little bit more at the beginning. I, yeah. I don't, I don't, it's hard to say because... You know, I, I haven't had a long time to think about it, but that's my first impression. And I kind of um, felt like back and forth with like, well, you know, sometimes 
there are, there are people who are like that, who are like, oh, it will all work out, don't worry, everything's fine. <laughs> and to just well, keep encouraging you, even, you know, maybe aren't actually listening exactly the, the mother the mother character in the walking was uh she, she was reminded me of a lot of people's mothers yeah. so she worked for me <laughs> she's kind of well, she was kind of a stereotype too she didn't she didn't really have any growth she just kept repeating the same thing uh yeah the entire, the entire, <laughs> and, and you know her message is like just marry anybody i don't like here's one here's another yeah, one here's just one, one. Here's one. Just take one, take one. Well, I've had a few friends in my life who yeah. that's all their mother wanted was for them. You should marry a nice girl, and you'll everything will be okay. You know, <laughs> that's all they want. So, um, yeah. I saw one review was like, I don't understand what how she is possibly his mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was no. There was, yeah, I, that, it did pop into my mind because it's like, how did something that looked like that have a child that looked like that? Maybe he yeah, was adopted. No, I don't know. They didn't address that. No way in the forest looked like look that way. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, well, and then there's the the um, well, the prince wannabe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he just wants <laughs> he he just wants his army. <laughs> And I, you know what? He reminded some me of some people that I, I've, I know who just, they just want their army and they just want their, they don't really know what they want, but that's what they want, the army and their thing and their, you know, to fight something. And so, yeah, he wasn't very, he wasn't very layered too, but it was definitely clear from the beginning what he wanted. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I felt like I got his motivation, <laughs> and I was I was actually fine with it. You know, there's probably some guys with Texan accents who aren't crazy about. Well, it was it was um. I don't know. Have you ever seen the TV show Reba, the Reba yeah. McIntyre? Yeah, her. Well, the man who becomes her ex-husband in that kind of reminded me of him. He's like, eh, it's fine, right? But yeah, yeah, I thought it was kind of entertaining that he didn't—he didn't even necessarily want to rule. He just wanted the army part of it. Yeah, he—he he just wanted an army, and that, because, well, I thought that was actually one of the clever points when he's like, "Well, I can't have either of the daughters, but I can have an army to go <laughs> save them." Like, I don't really want to save your daughters. I just want an army. <laughs> so, and the his sort of plan—that's one of the parts that. He's like, well, you just execute the plan when I say go, except we didn't have any, I didn't really know what his end game was, which I guess was to destroy the, but that part of it, I mean, I knew yeah. he was motivated, he wanted an army, but I didn't What is get he going to do with it? Yeah, but. Yeah, what's he going to do with it, which was he wanted to. March around to bad romance. And wreak havoc yeah. and destroy things. But maybe that was the point, too, um, because sometimes you know that's all when you get what you want you don't know what to do with it do with it (laughs) exactly if you you were so focused on getting the army maybe you didn't think about what will i do with the army when i have it well i just want to blow things up so yeah i'm still not entirely sure how they destroyed that tree castle thing they just knocked all the cages down that was 
it. I that was, yeah. It just, I don't know the 